Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by Zach Brass. Hey, Zach. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you on. I'm really looking forward to your talk at 360 iDev. The topic for today, localization. Yeah. Before we get started, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks for the cheap plug. (laughs) Hi, I'm Zach Brass. I've been an iOS developer professionally since 2011, non-professionally since 2009. I am starting a new job on Monday at Facebook. So congratulations. Thank you very much. But yada, 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 standard disclaimer. Everything I say here is my own viewpoints. End of disclaimer. (laughs) Thank you for that. I'm a big localization nut. I, I love it. It's really, really fun to to learn about other cultures, other countries, and yeah. So first of all, what is localization for those who don't know? Localization and its slightly related term internationalization. Localization is making a thing usable and good for other languages, countries, regions, locales. And internationalization is prepping something for localization, basically. So a lot of people use the terms interchangeably, localization, internationalization. It's a little bit easier to say localization. And so that's what I usually do, even if I'm, I mean, internationalization. So for me, I, uh, I'm i a big video game player, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember as a kid playing a lot of Nintendo and unfortunately experiencing localization at its worst. Yeah. I mean, one of the first internet memes was a result of poor localization, and it was all your base or belong to us. And I don't know if some of the younger iOS developers remember all your base or belong to us, but at the time when there were little to no memes in the world, that was the thing, right? It was a result of of poor localization. Yeah, and it's funny because now, like, I play on the Switch, and it's like, so, like, Obviously, they've picked up their game now. The game budgets have come up a little bit more and they understand localization a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a great example of why it's so important that like you can't just run things through Google Translate and uh, and expect that to do everything for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a, a sort of shorthand that localization really boils down to reducing the assumptions that you make about your users. But yeah, it's it's super important. So... Right, right off the bat, just ballpark estimate. What percentage of people do you think speak English at all in the world? Twenty-five. Actually, that's really close. It's actually it's about twenty percent. Oh, okay. It's it's about twenty percent of, of of the world's and, population. And you're including first language, any any language. language. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty percent. Okay, twenty percent of the world. Now, what percent do you think of the world speaks English as a native language? Oh, geez, eight. It's about 4.8%. Wow. Okay. So, so right off the bat, just getting other languages really opens up your app to uh, a giant plethora of users that could not consume your app. And then that's sort of the minimum bar. And then you go into things like culturalization, which is not just translating your app, but really making it awesome for them. And it's not just, oh, I have to switch my my mental model to like American English culture. 
and people feel seen when they don't have to sort of perform some sort of like cultural or language translation matrix in their head. Yeah. I think like the culturalization thing is just something I was thinking about too, is like we talked about native English speakers, but like, is that UK? Is that US? Is that Canada? Is that New Zealand? Is that Australia? Like there's different cultural terms we use as anybody who's familiar with any international TV shows. (laughs) There's terms that we use that are different uh, across different cultures, even though we all speak English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we see this all the time in not just software, but like the the media that we consume. So for example, in, I think it was Zootopia or something, one of the newscasters was, I want to say an elephant. I'm not sure in like the American version, but in the Chinese version, it was a panda. Oh, funny. In the movie Inside Out, there's a kid that is forced to eat her veggies and I think it was it was changed from I want to say like Brussels sprouts to like green peppers or something because of the cultural tenet of what's a disgusting food f- for kids to eat in some other culture, you know? Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so little things you can do to sort of make other folks feel seen. Hey folks, it's that time of the year again where I would love to get some input from you, my audience members. Please go to the show notes below and go to the Typeform survey I have set up to get some input from you as far as Empower Apps, the show, and where you think are some of its strong points and where it could use improvements. Please take the time, please share it with others that you know and fill this survey out. We'd really appreciate it. I'm looking for folks to fill this out as soon as they can. Just takes a few moments. Go to the link in the show notes below. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can DM me or you can send me an email, leo at brightdigit.com. If you have any questions about the survey, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for being an audience member of this show. And thanks again for your support. So what I've been hearing a lot is uh, we talked about this in the last episode with Steve was like all this stuff with like accessibility. They came out. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the relationship between localization and accessibility? I think it's a similar mindset implemented in a slightly different way. So localization boiling down to reducing your assumptions about the user. That's also true with accessibility. Apple in WWDC this year, 2021, really, really went in on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and localization and accessibility are a really big part of that. So I forget whether it what, what talk it was, but they had this really fantastic graphic diversity axes, and it included culture, uh, ethnicity, language, things that are localization topics, but also things like abilities, disabilities, age, handedness, body measurements, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those are accessibility tenets. And so applying that mindset to a different domain will will get you far in both localization and accessibility. And luckily, Apple makes it really, really easy to do both out of the box, but also 
make really fantastic experiences tailored to folks with various accessibility needs and also tailored to folks in languages and cultures that you as a developer might not be aware of. How would you make the case to a manager that they should invest time and money in basically localization? Ah, this is a fantastic question. I love it. And I have encountered it so many times. We will never go into blah, blah, blah. We will never do this. Or we need speed. Um, I hear that a lot, uh, both in my own experience and in in other people I talk to experience. And there's a couple of there's a couple of framings uh, that that you can do to to sort of convince non technical folks or people that that don't actively think about localization and or accessibility. So for localization, if you do it right, all of your localized assets will be separated out from code, right? So you'll have your your asset catalogs, you'll have your localizable strings file, your strings dict, and and you'll be able to take those and send them not just to translators, but also to marketing folks. You know, having all of your strings in one place is very, very good for non-technical people and documentation folks to know what's in the app. Right. You don't have to go hunting for all of those individual strings. So if you if you make like a language change, you know, like a terminology change, it's super easy to just comb through one file, you know, your localizable strings and and change stuff. Thing number two is that the investment to sort of undo an app with poor localization is massive. It will set you back. It will basically be one big showstopper bug comprised of N number of little itty bitty bugs where N is the number of individual strings that you have in your app. <laughs> and, and, and that does not sound them, like fun. Yeah. And finding them is not fun because they don't just exist in your code. They, you know, uh, some of them exist in maybe strings that you uh, get from your server. Maybe it's nibs and storyboards that that you haven't localized yet and you know something that you know you might change the detail text label of table view cell but you don't change the the text label and now you're screwed um and it, it just holds up development for a really really long time and i've been in projects where this happens um for accessibility I know the main focus is localization, but really quick for accessibility, if you want to do any sort of testing, most tests, most automated testing programs or or suites or whatever use the accessibility features. And then the other thing that you can do is just do it. It's not non-technical people that that are reviewing your code, right? It takes seconds longer to add something to a localized string file. Uh, rather than put it as a string literal. So they won't know. <laughs> you know, you're you're in charge of the architecture, aren't you? Or or you you contribute right. to the architectural decisions as a software engineer, you know? They won't know the difference. Yeah. So let's talk about like getting started with localization. Mm-hmm. Is the first thing starting off with like a strings file, I guess? Is that the way you'd go? Or uh-huh. what would you recommend as the first place? to start in your iOS project. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the first things that I do, command shift n new xcode project, add a localizable.strings file. 
it is at its base, at its core, like add it now. So you won't have to think about, oh shoot, where do I put it? Oh shoot, do I have a strings file or whatever? So it's there. So it's a thing that you just don't even have to think about. You just go to it. That's thing number one. Thing number two is let the system do the work for you when it can. So don't reinvent the wheel when Apple has done the job for you. And this this is like formatters. If there's a formatter for it, don't do it yourself. Dates, numbers, measurements, right? Yeah. There's a ton of stuff in measurements right it's now. It's massive. It's massive. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but like Apple is really, really good at localization. For example, I was messing around with the measurement formatter yesterday, the new formatter improvements in iOS 15, uh, where you don't have to initialize an NS blah, blah, blah formatter, right? Or, or a right. blah, blah, blah formatter in, in, in Swift. And you can just do dot formatted and then put in the format. There are cultures that don't use unilateral measurement styles for for a given measurement. So for example, if you're in Canada, right? If someone were to estimate my height, if a Canadian were really good at estimating my height, they'd be like, all right, you're six foot one. But how fast is the speed limit? You know, once you cross over the Vermont border into Canada, it's a hundred kilometers per hour. Right. So they yeah. use Imperial in some ways and metric in some ways. And these formatters are smart enough to be like, all right, this is a measurement and you're measuring person height. What's the output for my locale? It's super powerful. Let Apple yeah, do the work really for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let's talk about some of the new stuff that's come out this year. So we've got attributed strings. That's new, right? It's the attributed string struct is is brand new. So previously because right. there used to be NS NS attributed string, right? NS attributed string, yeah. Correct. It it is. Uh I there there is interoperability between NS attributed string and attributed string in Swift, but the power of attributed string is so much bigger. Yeah. So first of all, uh NS attributed string is not, I believe it's not a part of foundation. It's actually part of UI kit, right? I oh really? I realize I've now I've now said this on audio, so someone's going to be like, oh, "I don't know, maybe no, it's not." Or Let something. me look it up. Go yeah, ahead, yeah, go go ahead, go ahead and look go. it up. But NS attributed string, you had to do everything with NS attributed string on the main thread, and that was super not fun. Foundation, by the way, it is in foundation. Man, all yeah, right, yeah, yeah. We're just going to cut this up okay. in post. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> um, no. That's fine. fine. Um, but attributed string is you can do it on whatever thread you want. And it now has markdown support, which is massive, yeah. right? And it allows easy localized attributed strings. Previously, doing localized attributed strings with NS attributed string, you either had to like put in really complex HTML and render it as like, render it all weird and stuff. And it was really heavy. And the times that I... Uh, sent HTML strings off to like raw HTML in my localizable.strings dict off to uh, a translator, they'd be like, I, I don't know HTML. What's going on yeah. here? Markdown is so much better. Uh, it's so much more concise and it allows you to sort of do less. 
So the system knows what system bold looks like. The system knows what system italic looks like, code voice, etc. But it also adds uh, a cool feature that I've been playing around with recently, which is inflection. Are you multilingual? No, no. Okay. Um, I know. Go ahead. I want you to explain inflection. I don't think I know what it means. Absolutely. Uh, So in English, we don't generally change a lot of our language beyond just pronouns for someone's gender. And in languages like Spanish and French, you do. You change adjectives, you change nouns, you change verbs in some cases. Yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, and in English, we just don't have a way of sort of knowing. We don't have word endings to our, for our genders like other romance languages yeah, we do. Yeah, right? exactly. And and new in, in iOS 15 and the new version of macOS and tvOS and yada, 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 you can add... Uh, inflection markers to to your localizable strings and using attributed string it will change the sort of term of address it will it will it will inflect the string yep. based yeah. on your term of address which you provide to the system and that makes people feel seen right and it's not just system provided stuff but you can also in code represent someone's pronouns which is very, very yep. cool. Like it has the subject, object, reflexive. I am totally blanking on all the different forms. But if you look up, I think it's morphology.custompronoun in Apple's documentation, it has a complete description. Of which kind of pronoun you want to use. Of your pronouns. It's really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to mess around with it, but yes, yeah, yeah. Hey folks, it's that time again. The best Swift developer event in the known universe begins. At least that's what it says on the website. But it is an awesome event. If you heard John Wilker on our previous podcast episode, you know I'm talking about 360 iDev. This year, they're going to be doing something a little bit different with a hybrid event. You can choose between three different tickets, an in-person attendee, online attendee, and the in-person all-in, which includes a continental breakfast, conference Wi-Fi, amongst other things. 360 iDev is one of the strongest communities out there when it comes to iOS, Mac, and other Swift development platforms. And they've been serving the community for, gosh, 12 years now. They've come a long way. They're not done being awesome and helping the community thrive, and they're going to crush it in 2021 just as they did in 2020. So you'll definitely want to check it out. Joe Chaplinski who spoke in a previous episode about subcontracting will also be their keynote speaker. And I know from the release notes podcast that he is a solid speaker and he's going to bring a lot to the table. I'm really looking forward to hearing Joe speak. So I highly recommend checking out 360 IDEV this year, August 22nd to 25th in Denver. Or if you need to, they have an online ticket as well if you want to go that route instead. Listeners of the podcast can get 25% off registration by using the promo code EMPOWERAPPS. Again, 360iDev is this year, Denver or online, between August 22nd to 25th, with, I know, a great selection of speakers and a really great way to find others in the community and throughout the world. Get your ticket today and sign up, and I look forward to seeing you there. 
Before we did the recording uh, this week, my wife studied linguistics, mm-hmm. and I showed her that what's in new in foundation video, just the part where, like you said, they know what gender you are and how to address you, and especially Spanish. I think it's Spanish that's the big one where they support yeah. that. And then, like, she was really fascinated by that, um, having studied linguistics and also dealing with plurals. Like, we've all, all every developer has had to deal with this in multiple mm-hmm. languages, and yeah. I mean programming languages, and having to be able to like automatically add the you know the plural form of the noun yeah. automatically dependent on quantity. Like that stuff is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pr- uh, previously you had to use a strings dict. Uh, and if you want yep. super spe- uh, sp- super specific behavior, you still have to use a, a strings dict file. And there are a bunch of different things that you can you know search for on Stack Overflow for how to set up a strings dict file. Even in English, you uh, prior to this version of iOS, you had to go in and every single plural that you you know that right, you needed, right. you put in a, a, a strings dict file. But the sort of on device machine learning to adjust it will make life so much easier for developers and i right now it's it's in english and spanish only i'm really really looking forward to how it is in russian because i don't speak russian but russian is a really really interesting case where it has a different word ending for for one 21 31 etc 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 but not 11 uh, it has, <laughs> I think it has like a one, a few, a many, and an other. So if it ends in like two through four, the word changes in like a five through nine, the, 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 the number, wow. the quantity. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the, but the nice thing is as, as, uh, an English speaker, you don't have to know all of this stuff. Which one to use. Yeah. yeah. Which one to use. You just say, all right, English uh, has a one case and an other case. Or in some cases, you know, one case, an other case, and a zero case. So like uh, one apple, four apples. And then if you want to have a special zero case, you can say no apples. But with the new iOS 15 inflection, in many cases, you might not have to worry about that at all and just have one string. It's fantastic. That's awesome. It's so That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say, we've been talking a lot about strings, but how mm-hmm. about stuff like image assets? You can't really just automate that part. And I'm no. trying to think what other pieces of media you might want to like have dynamic dependent on language. Yeah. Is there like a built-in mechanism to deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, you can use asset catalogs and you can, you can change uh, an image based on a locale, a language. I, I think it's, it's locale and language. Okay. Okay. And a double, a double, like internet, double check me on here. Yeah. But you're talking about like the basic, like, uh, like the code, the ISO code. Because it could be en us for English and exactly US, but it could be exactly EN. okay okay um but but more importantly uh, asset catalogs uh, are one of the ways that iOS makes it easy for you to support language direction changes so English is a left to right language right there are many languages that are right to left languages so uh, a right. lot of languages used in in the Middle East yep. Hebrew Arabic. Farsi, um, I think Urdu is written right to left as well. And when you have your language set to one of these RTL languages, a lot of uh, the UI flips. And for many image assets, you might not want your asset flipped. So for example, if it's a logo, you probably don't want that flipped. However, if it's something like a directional asset, 
like yeah. uh, an arrow or that like points- a word mark. Yeah, something like that. You might want to specify that, hey, in right to left languages, this asset should be flipped. So you don't have to put in specific things in code to say, all right, I want right to left or left to right. You can, but asset catalogs makes it so much easier. Also, uh, SF symbols will will have different symbols based on your locale. Oh, wow. I, a cool. lot of people like look is at this the- new or is this how- been there for a while. I'm not sure, but I know it's definitely highlighted in in the new releases with okay, uh, yeah, number three with WWDC, yeah, 2021. So like, just the signature, right? The signature symbol looks different in English, <laughs> in Arabic, because right, the the X is in a different is is in a different location, yep. right? Um, yep. And even like the script of of the sort of gibberish signature looks different in different languages. It's really, really fascinating. And it's it's those little tweaks that make people sort of feel seen, you know, and, and, and make exactly. people sort of understand that, ah, yes, this software is designed with me in mind. And I yeah. think that's really, really fantastic. And Apple is really good at making new technologies seem magic at first, right? When when there's a new technology, oftentimes, you know, the first the first however long, the first the first bit where everyone's adopting it, it seems like magic. And then it starts to get normalized and we just sort of see it as a given, right? Like internet connectivity, right? When we first got the internet, oh my gosh, it was fantastic. But now we're like, okay, of course, it would just it's the internet, right? And when the internet, mm-hmm. when our when our connectivity goes down or it's slow or whatever, we're like, oh my <laughs> god, oh, oh, this is like terrible and stuff. Not realizing that like this thing is magic, right? I think with some of these localization changes, we've skipped the magic part. Like the users don't know that this is magic and and how cool yeah. the ML and sort of attention to detail is. Yeah, it just becomes commonplace, and we forget yeah. about how how much work is put in. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Let's see. Um, I wanted to talk about Swift UI, I guess, in particular. Yeah. How does that work differently than UIKit? Is it easier, more difficult to work with localization? I think it's a little bit different. So, so things like RTL, LTR switching, right to left, left to right, sort of locale switching happens automatically. I'm assuming that like under the hood, it uses uses the same sort of leading and trailing stuff that that auto layout in, in UIKit does. I would say the big difference is that oftentimes you're not calling NS localized string. The text in Swift UI takes a localized string key and automatically localizes it. So actually going way back to localizable.strings and localizable.strings dicks, the way that it basically works is that it's think of it as one big dictionary, right? And you're looking up the localized string key and it's getting the value for that locale. Slightly more complicated than that, but like if you're just getting started, think of it as a big dictionary. And with NS localized string, you're explicitly saying, all right, fetch me the value for this localized string key. And for SwiftUI text, it's sort of implied where anything passed into text gets treated as a localized string key and the value gets pulled out 
Uh, now, if you want to specify a literal, you can, but by default, it looks it up. How do I feel about this? I think it's a little bit of a of a of a trap, a little bit of a gotcha, <laughs> because oftentimes, you know, when we see sample code or or you know WWDC videos that aren't explicitly about localization, people just put the text, the text in English that you're going mm-hmm. to see, and and it doesn't sort of become top of mind, and so. I almost like a little bit more verbosity around localization. And the way that I get it is through localized string key naming. So a lot of the times when we see sample code, like this is how to do localization, right? This is localization basics. A lot of the keys are just the English values of the string. Like hello is hello. This is a big pet peeve of mine. Yeah, it drives me nuts too. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, so so if it's if it's going to be some sort of like common greeting, my key will be like common dot label dot greeting, and it'll just say hello. The reason why this is a big gotcha. Say we're we're doing our first language is Hebrew, right? And we say shalom. Shalom is the word for hello in Hebrew. Unfortunately, it's also, or, or fortunately, it's also the word for goodbye and peace. So when the translator goes to look at it, they're like, which one is it? Like, <laughs> are, are, you, are you saying hello? Are you saying goodbye? Um, yeah. This happens in English, right? Like the word chat, right? Is the chat a noun? Is it a chat or two chat? And yeah. depending on, you know, whether it's on a button Uh, like a menu item or the title of of a view, it might change. So saying, all right, I'm just going to use the word chat for uh, the localized string key chat for, for multiple different in multiple different places without understanding that the meaning is slightly different. That's a gotcha, you know? And just like accessibility, localization is a process, right? You won't get it perfect every time. And the important thing to do is test, 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 right? You don't just send your strings off to the translator, get your strings back, or I should say your assets. Send your assets off to the translator, get your assets back, and then just submit to the app store, right? You integrate it, and then you send it back. You send it back to your translators, or you you find people to do like a limited beta, in your language, because it might be embarrassing from a, haha, this is, you know, not fantastic grammar or not fantastic syntax, or you might get in a lot of trouble culturally. So for example, the Disney film Moana, I believe in Italy, she has a different name because Moana is the name of an Italian porn star. Um, (laughs) And so you can't just say, all right, I, Got the translations, and now I'm done. You have to test. Yeah, that's a really good point. What kind of resources are out there? Let's say you have an app or you're building an app. What resources are out there to get your strings translated into various... Like, are there services you'd recommend for something Um, like that? I don't have any specific companies. I have never been in charge of selecting a localizer. The, The sort of biggest localization project that I've been a part of was at iRobot when I was working at iRobot. 
I was a little bit far away from selecting the translator. That makes sense. I was, yeah, but but iRobot, to their incredible credit, has second to none testing. Like they test awesome. software like they test hardware. Like they are of the mentality of like you ship it once or act like you're only shipping once because that's what happens with hardware, right? You can have firmware mm-hmm. updates and stuff, but if there's if there's a problem with the hardware, like it's already shipped. And so iRobot does a lot of testing when there's a new locale, when there's a new language, you have to send it to a bunch of different testers. Do you have any recommended tools or libraries you use to help you with localization in your project? Hmm. I am a really big fan of the built-in Apple tools, to be honest. I know a lot of people really like Bonmo from RaiseLab slash WritePoint, but I think now with the with the changes in Markdown in uh, an attributed string, I think that may or may not have gotten Sherlocked. Um, <laughs> but I really think Apple is is pouring a whole lot of really good resources into localization. And I would just say, read the documentation, read the dub dub sessions, read the dub dub sessions, watch the dub dub sessions and, and allow yourself to get it wrong and fix it. If you have a formatting problem, that's okay. This is why we have the app store and we have app updates. (laughs) Perfect is the enemy of done, but iOS. I totally agree with that phrase. Yeah iOS really has a lot of features to help us get pretty darn close to perfect and not think about this stuff, right? Like date formatting, just put in a date, put describe the format that you want, and iOS will handle it. Date formatter is really, all the formatters are really, really smart. They know the locale better than you. Chances are, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. And I totally agree about the dub dub sessions, especially yeah. this year. We'll post some links in the yeah. show notes to those. They've been like, they're phenomenal when it comes to localization yeah. um, and, and some of the new stuff mm-hmm. that's come out this year. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Anything else you wanted to mention before we close out? Ooh, let's see. I sort of mentioned it earlier on in in the recording, but Command Shift and New Xcode Project add the localizable strings file and make sure to have a good naming system for your localizable string key. It will save your skin so much. That's, yeah. that's really yeah. my, yeah. Cause uh, once you get it started, it's easy to, to change it, fix it and yeah. do whatever you need to do yeah. later, as opposed to doing it, <laughs> trying to get it in at a later point without that file. Yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. But thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. I'm really glad we had we had you on to talk about this this topic. And I'm super excited about your talk at 360 IW. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh I, I super, super fun. Thank you so much for for having me. Do you want me to like plug yeah. my uh my my Twitter handle and stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So where can people find you online? Find me on Twitter at ZHBrass. That's mostly the only public-facing social media that I have. If you have localization questions, my DMs are open. I love geeking out about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is this is an awesome topic. I'm so glad we covered it this time. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. 
People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Take some time to subscribe and uh, like on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube and post a review to Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, wherever you're listening. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye-bye. Thank you.